0: So, so uh, one of the things that we should re- sort of touch on at this point is that in order to do these kinds of measurements, well, we uh, then have to often invent new tools uh, to, to make this happen. So this is the, maybe the one place where the experimental side of the world feels a little different from the theoretical side of the world since we still have, can use the same pencil um, and uh, well computers now I guess. But We
1: do have <laughs> different mathematical
0: methods for example. That's true. But, <laughs> but, <so. laughs> but the uh, physical tools then become a, and the technologies become a, a huge driver in this game. So. Um, we 've been working, for example, on inventing a, a new version of a space telescope and several new versions of a space telescope, uh, one of which um, was really aimed at exactly making these measurements of dark energy. Um, it 's uh, it's now become an interesting problem of uh, what does it mean for society to be able to support fundamental science? Um, this is a project that this particular project has now been funded and agreed to, uh, to move ahead two or three times, but the agencies weren 't able to actually uh, ca- uh, carry it off because they, there were two agencies that both wanted to do it at one point. Now we think there's a reasonable chance it'll happen in this next uh, round again, and uh, so we'll have a new space telescope that will be aimed at trying to um, solve this problem of, of dark energy. Um, but I think the, the, one of the last elements that I think might be fun to mention is some of the implications for how we attack problems in the world that I think are come out of these kinds of projects. This uh, particular project, I mentioned uh, that it took um, you know, what we thought was going to be three years, turned to, into a ten-year project. And I think that it's actually something that most people aren't really thinking about, that most difficult and most interesting problems in the world, be they scientific or, I think, social uh, and uh, political, um, are not problems that you necessarily solve the first time um, with a grand plan uh, on one try, that most things take many iterations, and you have to be in it for the long haul. I think this particular uh, project that, that we were doing we happened to be in a period where there was still the possibility of funding through national labs that would allow us to go past that three year period when we first said we might be able to get a result, till it took 10 years to, to get to the end. And nowadays, I think that there's little understanding that problems in the world require a little bit of stick to itness and require um, support and being willing just to, to go with it. And, and uh, as long as it looks like science is actually and that's definitely true
1: for the level of most basic science and particle physics and Speaking of right? time,
2: um, if that's our remaining time, I'd like yeah. to know yeah. if people have questions.
3: I've been thinking about what you're doing for the last 68 years, since I've been five years old, always asking my mother and father, is there an end to the universe? And they would always say, yes, there's an end to the universe. I so where's the end? I mean, what, what is that the end? Is there a wall? I mean, can you stick your hand in it and wiggle your fingers? Well, if you could, there's no end. And there might be a wall there, and if you can stick it further and wiggle your fingers, there's no end. But now you, I think you may have helped to ask, uh, answer or solve my question, and that is you think there's, or you say there's more than one universe? I thought the universe was <laughs> the universe. <laughs> Why do you have to have two
0: or three? I don't we have see, just we one we universe? I'm talking about chaotic. <laughs> we, we, we say a few things, but well, one thing is that we've considered doing a panel uh, of all the ways in which um, we love the fact that this field allows you to have your mind boggled. And that the reason, oh, it you, go does. In, the reason you go into the field is because you enjoy having your mind boggled. But we, we have some answers for, um, for, I think, your question. Why don't you take a, one cut? Yeah.
1: Well, you know, it's funny because no matter what answer you give about the fate of the universe and the history of the universe, it's unsatisfying. If there's an end, it's unsatisfying. If there's no end, it's unsatisfying. Well, in you're satisfying ways, me because now I feel In some bad. ways, I think it's, it, yeah. this is actually the most satisfying answer you could possibly have. I've been have, told like
2: eating Chinese food. You're going to be hungry at the end. So. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, so in some sense, what it's saying is that the universe has lasted forever. There's different Big Bangs in some sense. There's different universes that emerge. Ours is one of them. So it's gone on forever and it will continue to go on our universe might become dilute, but there could be universes elsewhere. I think that's actually, for me, you know, just the same way if you said physically, just in space, there's an end space. to the universe, I would find that extremely unsatisfying. The idea that it goes on awesome. forever is much more compelling. Yes. So I think in some ways, although everything is unsatisfying, this is the least unsatisfying. Okay. <laughs> because <laughs> that, <laughs> that answer
3: helps me to understand then, because you're saying that there's more than one universe, and therefore you, you guys are saying that our universe is expanding and the expansion Expansion is accelerating. So in with my universe. original theory, I was going to say, if it never ended, where the hell is it going?
0: But now I understand. Let me try two thoughts on this, though. One is that when we say the universe is expanding, there is an immediate uh, problem for most people, which is you find yourself asking, what is expanding into? Isn't that universe as well? And I think it's important to have a slightly different model in your mind of uh, what an expanding universe could be. So a very simple one that you might try out would be that we imagine that today we live in a infinite universe and that you, know, you can see galaxies as far as you want in that direction and that direction and that direction. We're just you know, floating here in the midst of an infinite universe. The only thing characteristic about this universe, let's say, is that there's an average distance between the galaxies. So if you got in a rocket ship, it would take a typical amount of time to get from one to the next to the next. And when we say the universe is expanding, all we mean is that there's a little more space between each of those, um, uh, you know, the average distance between each galaxy. And th- so if it's expanding anywhere, it's, it's pumping space in between the points. And that's once more not really satisfying, but it's at, least, at least it's not inconsistent. Know, whereas the idea of expanding into something that's also, but that's got to be a universe, is, 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 is inconsistent. The other point I was going to make is that um, I don't think we can say as a, you know, as a hard-nosed experimentalist that we know that we live in a universe that is one of many universes. No, absolutely right? not. Now, there are ways that you could imagine that someday you could find, um, you could theoretically only be able to explain things in our universe if it were set... In a sea of many, many universes, that's optimistic, and, and, you know, and it's, it's unlikely. But imagine you—you know, <laughs> you, you, you could imagine a prediction that was hard to make unless we were just one of many universes, and that you went—and it was a prediction that we didn't already know ahead of time. So you go out and you make the measurement, and you say, "Wow, it really works that way." then you might start to believe that you had a little bit of evidence for multiple universes. But I'd say up to that point, it still has more of this philosophical feel to it uh, that, we, you know, that we love. You know, but we don't know. We wouldn't yes, necessarily sign Especially up to say, to. To sign up we and fail. hate. Right. OK. All
3: right. The uh, discussion could probably never be satisfied, but we'll keep trying. We're going to have one more question from Dr. Weil. Uh,
0: there's an
2: attitude that I pick up in the writings and pronouncements of certain cosmologists and physicists that we are about to know everything, that we've figured it all out, that we are about to have a theory of everything. I mean, I hear this, this is Definitely. clearly out there, and it seems to me it's, it's very sobering to realize that less than 100 years ago, we didn't know that what we called nebulae were not it's gas clouds in our own galaxy, and it seems to me that the, there has been a real pattern that observational evidence continues to surprise us and challenge theoreticians. And is there any reason to not expect that that will continue right. to happen? Right, it's really, I'll just say it's been remarkable that uh, the, I went to graduate school 20 years ago and the big questions in cosmology We've answered most of them, but they have generated new questions. That always happens in research, but literally the nature of those questions, the amount of observable facts, it used to be said uh, the field of cosmology was considered more like philosophy because in the 1960s and 70s, people said we only have about two and a half facts about Cosmology: the the sky is dark at night. That's a very important fact, uh, and the universe was expanding, and maybe half another fact that there was some warmth left over from what could have been the Big Bang. We now have a huge amount of facts. I mean, so much you you know you cannot download it on your USB stick anymore. Even Snowden. Uh, I and just want So, to really so it's so when you, I'm just saying if you look at the progress, it's so impressive that it's not crazy but, but to think to that.
1: Speaking to your point, I mean, I've done a lot of writing for the public and speaking to the public, and one of the things that's that's hard is that. That's the kind of thing people want to hear. They want to hear, we're about to get all the answers. Actually, the process, and this is what I try to do in my writings, the process of getting there, what we're actually really, truly learning is as exciting and, in fact, usually more surprising. Because you know, you sort of have these open questions, but then the actual details of how that's happening is interesting, but you have to be willing to go that extra step and actually care enough about the science to actually want to know what's happening today.
0: And, and I think we love the fact that cosmology and some of these fields feel like it's a young field. And the fact that we keep finding surprises as we move along still makes us feel like there's probably more to be discovered uh, relatively easily. Um, eventually, fields become mature and then becomes a little harder to make that progress. But even so, you don't have any guarantee that our human brains will happen to have the right level of sophistication and abstraction to be able to understand what we end up, uh, what's really going on the out there. The only way to know is to try. Exactly. I want to
2: thank Catherine and Wayne Reynolds for
3: uh,
0: letting us talk all about this. Whole thing. Exactly.
2: this. Don't, don't go away. We're going to
3: have the Supreme Court have one more question. Oh, all well.
0: right. <laughs> no. Suppose you had a press conference, microphysicists, astrophysicists, theoretical physicists, three of you, and you came up with a powerful new explanation for the origin of the universe and the, and the nature of dark matter. Might not be absolutely conclusive, but powerful new insight. Do you think that that would create a bond, a kinship um, among all of humanity that now does not exist?
1: Well, the closest we have to that, actually, recently, I think, was the discovery of the Higgs boson, which is even more abstract. Pe- 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 the Higgs boson, the particle associated with particles getting mass. It's a, it's a mechanism, the Higgs mechanism, associated with particles getting their masses. And most people, some of you might not have heard. How many of you have heard of the Higgs boson? Just okay. So most people have no idea what it is. And this was something that people discovered. And actually, there was an incredible amount of interest around the world. I mean, when, when CERN turned on, people in Europe, at least, all, all, it, it broke the computers because so many people were watching. I think something like... The fundamental questions also draw people together. And CERN itself, where they discovered the Higgs boson, is really interesting because it's a European Union. It's the most successful European organization there where all these different countries, and it's now international, work together. So it won't solve all the problems, but I think when we work on projects like this together, when we understand this together, I think it does lead to advances. I want to
2: suggest a slightly uh, additional additional answer to that, which is, while I love these huge questions, and uh, I think if people uh, learned the progress we were making, it would be very unifying. I really think there's another investigation going on in space that would have this effect, which is the search for life around other planets. I think if we, I mean, we may find bacteria around other planets, but we may find intelligent life. We may begin communication. I think that would be a complete game changer. I don't think we would recognize the same world we woke up the next day, when you read in the newspaper, you know we have made contact, we are communicating, you know we see mu- so much more about why everything is here would be so profound what would change, <laughs> what would change? Yeah. i don't know how well, do well, you sense, sense how would itself. you how would you go to war between <laughs> Shias and Sunnis when you knew that you were just this tiny little piece of a tiny little speck and that there are so many more groups and peoples out there hey, would I mean it, uh, the you wouldn't.
0: <laughs> I can't.
2: I cannot imagine how you would feel that your tribe is so important at that point.
0: I, I will. I will say the one little bit of evidence for what you're saying is, is a personal experience uh, which I think a few people in the room may have shared. Um, right after the Nobel Prize was announced, um, what was, it was amazing that you got emails from people in little towns all over the world, uh, you know, in, in uh, you know Asia and India and and uh, and uh, Middle East, um, that you know where you. They, they just felt good about the prize. It was just, you know, it was so remarkable they, that they just wanted to let you know that, that, that this was something that they just enjoyed and, they, and that they and that they uh, felt, you know, a positive thing about. And you know, it wasn't obvious to me why why they would care um, in that way. And so it's clear there is something of what but you're back describing. To the other
1: question, I yeah. do think wars would still go on. I think it is important for us to decide how to distribute our resources in a way that we recognize the importance of these things in addition to the importance of fighting combat like this. Thank you.